Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Go. Welcome to another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your co-host Peter Go, alongside our co-host David Go. Again, thanks for joining us for another episode. Uh, busy week for the Brewers, eight games in seven days, and five of those uh, coming against the St. Louis Cardinals, who um, coming into the series were ahead of the Brewers. And so, yeah, so busy week for the Brewers again, like I said, eight games, seven days, uh, but a good week for the Brewers. Uh, so we're excited to cover it. Uh, definitely feel like the Brewers are, are on the on the way up at the right time. And uh, before I just keep going on about it, let's just get into it, David. Anything you have to add before we get going? No, nothing other than a, just a very successful week overall. Yeah, got to be happy if you're a Brewers fan. Uh, but really, best week of the season, in my opinion. And, uh, oh yeah, before I forget, uh, today's trivia question. Uh, who is the Brewers' active uh, wins above replacement leader? The, this time we're pulling from fan graphs, uh, and this is a, a batting leader. So, Brewers... Is this, is this just for this year? Correct. Yes. Okay. So, active... Yeah, you're right. You're right. Thanks for the clarification there. So active hitter, uh, highest wins above replacement this year. And again, this one, this time we're pulling it from fan graphs. Uh, and again, this is as of Sunday night, uh, September 20th, after the Brewers concluded their series against the Royals. So just keep that in mind. We'll cover the answer at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned for the end uh, to get your answer on the, on the trivia question. So uh, let's just jump right in. We got a lot of games to cover. Uh, first game of the week, Monday. Uh, the Brewers have a doubleheader, had a doubleheader against the Cardinals, and Brewers taking the first one 2-1, to one, uh, this one going into extra innings, or also known as the eighth inning, uh, since the doubleheaders were only playing seven innings. But anyways, uh, Josh Lindblom, um, a surprisingly good start. We haven't seen that from him much at all this year, lowering his ERA to 5.26 after he threw five scoreless. Uh, but yeah, a scoreless game going into the eighth inning. Like I said, that being a, an extra inning. In this situation, St. Louis putting up a run in the eighth, but Brewers ultimately putting up a two-spot in the eighth to walk off game one against Cardinals and a big win for the Brewers. Your thoughts on this game, David? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lynn Bloom pitched very well, and that was a big thing because we didn't really know what you were going to get out of Lynn Bloom, but five innings, uh, and of course being a seven-inning game, shortens the game significantly when you can have a guy who goes five innings. The the opposing pitcher actually for St. Louis, Gwang Hyung Kim, he actually pitched seven scoreless. He pitched outstanding. His ERA is down to .63. Um, he's been great, but Lynn Bloom was very good. Williams, Hayter, and Peralta really all pitched very well. Peralta did allow the, the runner that started on second base to score, but you can't necessarily fault him for that. I mean, it's just it is, right. it is what it is. Um, and they were ultimately able to get those two runs uh, in the bottom of the eighth. And so that proved to be the difference in a game that really didn't didn't include much offense. Yeah, low-scoring game. Uh, nobody nobody crossing the plate until the eighth. Uh, but Brewers getting the best of the Cardinals in game one. And a big win to start the series. Great for the Brewers to get that um, going. And so, yeah, Brewers taking the first one, two to one. Uh, and game two of the doubleheader, the Cardinals able to take that one three to two over the Brewers in another one-run margin. Uh, Corbin Burns took the bump for the Brewers, going four and two-thirds and giving up one earned. Uh, not exactly his best start from what we've seen. Uh, Alex Claudio relieving Burns, I believe, coming in with the bases loaded and, and allowing one of the inherited runners to score. Uh, but yeah, Brewers splitting the doubleheader uh, on uh, Monday with the Cardinals. 
Uh, your thoughts on this game, David? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Claudio actually came out, came in with with two runners on base. Okay. Uh, not the bases loaded, but still in a little bit of a jam. And one one run did score. Yardley did not pitch very well, but he's really been pretty good all year long. So an, a bad outing here or there isn't going to kill you. Uh, but overall, they did keep themselves in the game. I know some people were upset about Justin Topa pitching in such a big big spot there in the in the eighth ninth inning. Kind of, I mean, I can understand it. But the thing was, they used their bigger guys earlier in the day for the first game and. Personally, I don't really think that it's the best to use a pitcher twice in one day. I mean, it can happen maybe here and there, but generally I'm not in favor of that. Clearly, Council felt the same way, and so he did go to some of the lesser relievers in this game, and maybe it cost them the outcome of the game. Maybe it was good for them in the end to protect some of the guys, but that's what he ended up siding with, and they ended up falling on this one. Yeah, we, we talked about it briefly just a second ago with Lindblom going five and the Brewers going to Williams, Hader, and Peralta, who have been their top three bullpen arms. So, like you said, it's not ideal to have a guy pitch twice in a day uh, at the major league level, and with the with how severe the consequences of doing what that can be, I, I would agree with Council on not using any of those guys twice in a day, albeit that they were playing the Cardinals in a big game. But the Brewers' bullpen has some depth to it, too. Like you said, Yardley's been outstanding this year. Um, and Claudio was able to get the job done for the most part going in an inning. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, it is what it is. That's what happens when you have to play double headers. Uh, Brewers weren't the only team having to do that, of course. Um, but yeah, it, perhaps, perhaps yeah, we could easy, easily say maybe if they would have thrown Williams back out there, um, they win that game. But uh, in my opinion, just not worth, worth that risk, uh, to, to try to throw somebody out there twice in a day. Mm-hmm. I certainly agree. Yeah. So, either way, Brewers Brewers splitting uh, Monday's doubleheader with the Cardinals, and then went uh, just one game on Tuesday. Uh, for whatever reason, they decided to do doubleheaders on Monday and Wednesday, maybe just to spread it out. But Tuesday, uh, the Brewers pouring it on the Cardinals, eighteen to three. Offense exploded. Uh, we talked about the big offensive game against the Tigers last week. The Brewers put up another one with eighteen runs across the board. Uh, Really, offense just opened up. Brett Anderson uh, pitching a pretty good game, six innings, two runs. He had a lot of run support as well. Um, but a good, strong Brewers victory ended out with Corey Knebel pitching two innings with six strikeouts. So just a lot of good things, really, for the Brewers. Uh, and another big win against the St. Louis Rivals. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, the Cardinals players were a little bit upset. Some of them were skeptical, saying that they thought that the Brewers were stealing signs, possibly. Yadier Molina, who of course loves to create um, create some conflict where there isn't any, he was really, really skeptical of it. And he even claimed that there was an intentional catcher's interference on Molina. Oh yeah, with Braun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And of course, I don't really know if that's necessarily the case, but, but Molina was, he was clearly upset with that. Brewers still took the game 18-3. to I guess that's really what matters. Right. And the benches did clear a little bit on Molina's mm-hmm. catcher's interference. I'm not sure I've ever seen a catcher's interference result in the benches clearing. But, yeah, Braun, Braun took a swing, I think, with two strikes and hit Molina's uh, glove. And, yeah, Molina wasn't too happy about it. Um, I'm not really sure. In, an intentional catcher's interference seems like a bit of a stretch from Braun. I, I forget what the score is, what, what the score was at the time. Um, but... Either way, um, not exactly sure 
what was going on there. But Brewers going to be, I mean, they saw the Cardinals a lot this week, see them again uh, here in the coming week. So they're going to be seeing a lot of them. Hopefully that offensive outbreak continues into next week as the Brewers face Cardinals. But again, big win for the Brewers, really firing on all cylinders, pitching looking good as well. Brewers taking the game 18-3 on Tuesday against the Cardinals. And then uh, finally on Wednesday, another doubleheader, Brewers-Cardinals. Uh, another two big games, again, as the Brewers fighting for the playoffs in the Central. And uh, I had to say with um, Adam Wainwright on the hill and Yadier Molina behind the dish, I had I still had a flashback of uh, the Cardinals winning the World Series. I'm, I'm thinking you can still picture that newspaper that was in our house forever with Molina and mm -hmm. Wainwright jumping in their arms back 2006. when Wainwright. Yeah, 06. Wainwright was, mm -hmm. was a closer, right? Yeah, he was yeah. a closer for yeah. a year, and then he, he moved to the starting rotation after that. Yeah, I mean, they... Corbin Burns-esque, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but basically, Corbin Burns is Adam Wainwright. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but, um, but it is kind of crazy to think about, I mean, two teammates that have been playing together on the same team for 15 years now. Yeah, That's yeah. not really something that you see much at all. I mean, Molitor, Yount, and Gantner were all together... For 15 years, but that was a different era, and right. that, even that was a record. Right, and Mariano and Posada and Pettit, uh, that that group of Cooper guys over in New York, Jeter. Uh, so yeah, but sort of similar to that. But yeah, I, still 15 years, Wainwright and Molina to be playing together. Uh, it's just kind of crazy to me that, you, especially, I mean, as a pitcher and catcher too, it's it's not the same thing as mm -hmm. a second baseman, third baseman type of thing. Um, both higher risk positions and anyways but anyways Wainwright yeah. did throw a really good game giving up two runs in the first uh, but ended up going a complete game seven innings uh, just those two runs in the first and able to oust uh, Brandon Woodruff who also went seven innings uh, Woodruff himself giving up four runs so neither team's going to the bullpen uh, I guess both good for both bullpens as they recover from playing a lot of games uh, but Cardinals taking this one 4-2 and the Brewers losing another game that Woodruff, has, uh, Woodruff started too as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Brewers are 5-6 and six in games that Woodruff has started this year. Not great, but also I don't think that's something to be overly concerned about. Also, yeah, the Wainwright and Molina, those that might not be the only flashback we're getting um, because we saw both pitchers throw complete games. When was the, I know it was a seven-inning game, but when was the last time that we saw uh, two guys, especially with the Brewers, the Brewers never have complete games. Right. Actually... Prior to this, their last complete game might have been the Jimmy Nelson game on Father's That's what I was Day thinking. three years ago. And I know this is only seven innings, and the Brewers have had other guys right. go seven innings. But nonetheless, still a complete game. Didn't have to go to the bullpen. Offense wasn't exactly the greatest. Only only four hits and one walk. Um, so that's definitely something that they uh, needed to improve upon, and they were able to improve upon in the next game of the doubleheader. Yeah, and that in that second game of the doubleheader, uh, really the rubber match of the five-game series. The Brewers' offense waking up and putting up six runs on the Cardinals to take game five of the series, 6 nothing. Freddie Peralta getting the win on that. Uh, Brewers bullpenning that game with Brent Suter going three innings to start. Uh, but Brewers' arms looked very good. Suter, Peralta, Williams, and Yardley combining for seven scoreless. Uh, and Brewers able to take game five and gain gain some ground on the Cardinals in this series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Brewers' bullpenning efforts have been really successful so far this year. Uh, they were able to score those those six runs. They only actually tallied up seven hits, uh, but you know that, that doesn't really matter. I'll take the six runs any day. Braun with another another good game. Braun's really been playing well as of late. 
Uh, that's that's kind of a, a topic of discussion right now in what could be Braun's final week in a Brewers uniform. Good to see him getting going, though, late in the season and the offense as a whole. I think that it's been good to see the offense be a little bit more consistent over the past week or two, especially since the first you know month or two was not right. good. Yeah, Braun definitely heating up. Uh, seems to be kind of a theme for him. Does seem to be oftentimes a, a good player in September. Uh, obviously, we have the memories of of 2008 and 2011 and those big hits that he had, but seems to be a good player in September, and yeah, definitely heating up, uh, as well as Christian Yelich swinging the bat a little bit more like 2019 Christian Yelich, and Keston Hira continuing to be a little bit more consist- consistent as well, uh, hitting a home run off of Wainwright in that 2 nothing, uh, excuse me, 4-2 loss. But like you mentioned, uh, yeah, Brewers bullpenning, which we likely could see the Brewers do in the playoffs. Uh, do you see that as a viable quote-unquote third starter if the Brewers uh, do make the playoffs? I think it definitely could be. I think that without a doubt we'll see Burns and Woodruff making starts, and those will be the first two guys to go. But if they do make it to a third game in that first round, I would not be surprised at all to see a bullpen game. Maybe even you start like a, a Lindblom type for maybe an inning or two, kind of get the get the get a couple innings out of him. He's been pretty good. Uh, especially when he only pitches a couple innings so far this year. And then go to a guy like Suter, Peralta, Hayter. They got options there. The only thing is they will have played over the past two days. Uh, no days off in there, and so may make it a little bit harder to do. But I definitely could see that as being a viable option for them. Yeah, I think they'd have a hard time throwing any other starter out there in a true traditional starting pitcher role of trying to get five to seven innings out of a guy. Uh, just too much inconsistency between Lynn Bloom and some of those other arms. Uh, Adrian Hauser, who going into the year we would have expected to at least be in that number three role, uh, has not lived up to that so far this year and really would not be a... Uh, I don't think Brewer fans would be very confident putting Adrian Hauser on the on the bump for mm-hmm. game three. So I, I agree. I think we would see some sort, some form of bullpenning, like you said, if, if that is one of the starters getting maybe one time through the order. Uh, and I would, I could definitely see either Suter or Peralta probably going a couple innings, depending on their usage in game one or two. But mm-hmm. uh, definitely cross that bridge when we get to it. Hopefully, hopefully the Brewers are able to make it to the playoffs. And I do think, um, as always, when we have Craig Council in the Brewers bullpen, they are a team built uh, to compete well in the playoffs. So, anything to add before we move on to the Royal Series? No, I'd say it was overall pretty successful, though game to game. Um, on the on the Cardinals, and that was a big thing, really winning that series to cut it to one game instead of three. That would have been a big difference had they dropped uh, one of those closer games. So I think that was a big thing. And then heading into uh, the series against Kansas City, and they were able to get the job done. Yeah, definitely hoping the Brewers hoping to at least take two out of three from the Royals, and ended up sweeping the Royals, taking care of business. Uh, three big wins really for the Brewers as they uh, close out their interleague matchups for the year. And game one, Brewers took this one nine to five. Uh, offense looked good again. Adrian Hauser, on the other hand, did not. Um, again, going only just four innings uh, and giving up four runs. Only two of those earned. But really, Hauser—I mean, not to beat the dead horse—it seems like we're talking about this every week. But Hauser, another disappointing start. Uh, really didn't look too good. And touched on it already. Don't don't see him getting uh, much opportunity in the playoffs with. Uh, his performance in 2020 so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I certainly agree with that, but it was good to see them still able to, even with a little bit of a shaky start again, able to have the bullpen there. 
um, and, and really keep them in the game. I thought that was a big a big thing, especially with the offense breaking out. Would have been a little bit demoralizing to maybe lose a high-scoring affair, especially when it's been a year where the offense has not really been able to produce very much. Uh, and I think that Hauser, he'll probably get his one start again this upcoming week, but we could even see him left off the postseason roster should they make the postseason. Yeah, there could that really that that could make some sense. Uh, I, like I said, I don't see him getting much opportunity, and why take up that roster spot if he's not really going to get much opportunity? That's a, that's a good point. Uh, so yeah, Hauser only going four innings, uh, and the Brewers falling behind early, but in the fourth, putting up a six spot, Christian Yelich homering, and Jacob Nottingham uh, with a big grand slam uh, to take the lead. Uh, that was a, a big hit for for Nottingham. And a big hit for the Brewers, taking the lead there in the fourth. And then following that up in the fifth with uh, a three-spot Orlando Arcia home ring in that inning as well. Um, and yeah, Brewers bullpen able to keep them in the game after Hauser uh, struggled through four. And offense looking good again. And Brewers taking that one nine to five. So game one, excuse me, game two of the series, Corbin Burns on the bump going six innings and uh, six scoreless. Burns looking good again um, and continues to keep himself in the conversation for that Cy Young. Um, I don't know what if it's really much of a possibility for Burns to actually win the award this year with just, with just a week to go, but Burns looked good again. Um, just really some of the highlights of his strikeouts to uh, painting on the corners, backdoor cutters, really, really looking good, uh, keeping those Kansas City hitters off balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked excellent. Nine Ks and no walks. I think that's a big thing. Uh, also, something to note, over his last 49 innings, he's not allowed a home run. He's only allowed one home run all year. Last year, he threw 49 innings, and he allowed 17 long balls. So that's right. been a huge improvement there, especially with, with his arsenal. He's kind of reworked that and been able to locate the ball better. So Burns has looked outstanding. You mentioned maybe it's a long shot for him to win the Cy Young. But Corbin Burns is leading the National League in Fangraphs wins above replacement among pitchers. So I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's such a long shot really at this point anymore. His ERA of 1.77 also leads the National League. I I think he's a legitimate candidate. And, you know, I think that he he really needs to have a, another one more strong start to kind of cement it there. Mm-hmm. But the only guy who's in the major leagues with more wins above replacement is Shane Bieber. He also has a lower ERA than Burns, but Bieber being in the AL doesn't affect Burns' candidacy. DeGrom right. had a poor start. Darvish was a little bit shaky. I I definitely think that we could see um, Corbin Burns really at, at least making a, a good run at Cy Young. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to think back. Here's a trivia question on the spot. How many Brewers have won the Cy Young? Two. Two. Raleigh, okay. Raleigh Fingers won in 1981, and then Pete Vukovic won in 82. That's right. I forgot, I was, yeah. I forgot about Vukovic. I, I, yeah. Fingers was kind of an easy one to remember, but mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. Brewers winning it back-to-back years. But yeah, yeah haven't won it since. Yeah. Um, that would be that would be quite the accomplishment. And uh, from for Burns, I mean, wow. Last year to this year, couldn't even stay in the major leagues and uh, in a shortened season, able to win the Cy Young. That would be, that would be pretty amazing for Burns. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, Corbin Burns looking good again, and the Brewers able to take this one 5-0. They, they were able to scratch across a run in the third on a uh, pretty ugly error by the Royals, some mis- miscommunication by the middle infield, ending up in a throwing error, and then uh, the Brewers putting up a four spot in the eighth. Jacob Nottingham contributing again, and 
like we mentioned, Ryan Braun, who's been heating up, uh, hitting his seventh home run of the year in that inning as well. So Brewers taking game two, five to nothing. And then in the uh, series finale, Brewers completing the sweep, five to three. Josh Lynn Bloom, we mentioned a good start early in the week. Another good start for him, five and a third, one run. And uh, a lot a lot to be happy for for the week for the Brewers and for the series. Uh, Royals, not exactly a great team, but nonetheless, completing the sweep, taking care of business, and really putting themselves in a good spot. Seem to be peaking at the right time. Uh, and I think it's starting to get a little bit more exciting to be a Brewer fan right now. Yeah, we haven't really had that this year. There hasn't been too much excitement around the team, maybe outside of some of the guys like Burns or Williams. I, I definitely think that now is is a good time to be a Brewer fan. They they did take uh, three of five from the Cardinals and then swept the, the Royals, so six of eight over the past week. You really couldn't have asked for more. Three out of five from a team that you're battling neck and neck and then um, being able to, to do what you have to do against the teams that are um, not quite as good. Uh, that's, that's what good teams do. And I don't know if I'd necessarily say the Brewers are definitively a good team. They're only 500. Uh, also, one thing I noticed, their run differential is actually up to just minus three, which it was, they were always outperforming their run differential this year. But of course, the two, the two lopsided sure. victories against one Detroit and one St. Louis help. Right. Yeah. And, and also, um, kind of a little bit more, more use out of Peralta and Suter. Suter did scuffle a little bit, um, a lot of home run. Uh, three hits, Hayter was able to finish the job. I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. And going into this last week of the season, which is so important, you'll really need to be depending on some of those bullpen guys, especially with another eight games this upcoming week, thanks to the doubleheader against the Cardinals. Yeah, it it and and the thing that's good for the Brewers is, and really for the whole NL Central is, there's a whole bunch of games head to head between the Cardinals, Reds, and the Brewers. So it's uh, it, a lot of it's up to you take care of your business and you should be able to see yourself in the playoffs with the Brewers playing a three game set against the Reds. And then is it, I believe it's five games next week against Cardinals again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so five, another five against the Cardinals, like I mentioned, three against the Reds. So uh, really the Brewers, it's up to them. Um, nobody to blame but themselves if they don't make it. And so I, I, I like where the Brewers are at right now. I'm feeling pretty confident uh, after a good week offense, um, looking a lot better, looking a lot more consistent, and really feel pretty good about the Brewers' chances to make the playoffs at this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a big thing. You mentioned that it's in their hands. Three in Cincinnati and then five games in St. Louis. One of the doubleheader games, uh, they'll be the home team. So just a, a sure. small detail um, so you're not confused when you see the Brewers uh, batting second in the first game of that Friday doubleheader. But yeah, like you said, the, the, it's kind of in the Brewers' fate. The Brewers are the ones who decide it. If they play well, they're going to make it. Uh, if they don't play well, they're not. It's it's not like you're depending on Pittsburgh to beat St. Louis or anything of right. that nature, which can kind of be more frustrating than anything else, yeah. even if this may put a little bit more pressure on the Brewers. And just kind of looking at that NL playoff picture, um, the Dodgers have a spot locked up. They're going to be the one seed. We're going to see the Cubs and the Braves as the two division winners in the Central and the East. San Diego has the four spot locked up. Uh, but beyond them, um, it looks like Miami uh, will be the number two seed in the NL East. Uh, we don't know that for sure, but either Miami or Philadelphia. The other one will be a contender in that wild card race. So the top two teams from each division make it and two wild cards on top of that. 
Giants are also 500, so they're right in there with uh, the Cardinals, Reds, and Brewers, uh, along with the Mar Marlins and Phillies. So the Brewers really realistically could overtake the Cardinals for the two spot in the NL Central. Um, and then if you don't do that, you could you could get um, maybe a wild card spot. But I think it, it'd be important um, to at least win two out of three against Cincinnati and get a leg up on them heading into the last week of the season. And really the last series there, that's kind of what you need to do. Yeah, uh, and the Brewers Brewers know what they got to do, and they, they've got to go out and, and perform. And it is, it's going to be up to um, the Brewers' Brewers' arm, Brewers' bullpens, and whether the offense can be consistent enough to to overtake some competitive games. Um, with that being said, with with playing the division rivals, like we mentioned, good news is is uh, it's in your control. Bad news is, like you said, higher pressure on the Brewers, and there's really no quote unquote easy games or anything like that next week. Um, they're not playing any weaker teams, um, just playing Reds and Cardinals. So, like we like we said, all in the Brewers' hands. Uh, going into that final week, so we'll 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 see what the Brewers are able to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just a couple transactions that they made uh, throughout the week. Uh, this past Monday, they claimed Billy McKinney off waivers. He's an outfielder. He uh, was in the Cubs system along with the A's, and he's kind of bounced around a little bit, but just some depth in the outfield there. Um, we actually could see him called up. Ben Gamble was placed on the injured list. Um, he was hurt in Saturday's game. Uh, they activated Lynn Bloom from the bereavement list uh, as a corresponding move, but they probably would want another outfielder um, coming in in Gab Gamble's absence. Uh, so McKinney claimed off waivers. Ray Black is actually back from the injured list. He spent a lot of time there with a shoulder issue, um, so he he came back. He did pitch a couple times this week. Ronnie Rodriguez, utility man who had been claimed off waivers in the offseason, he was designated for assignment. Uh, they recalled and optioned. Justin Topa a couple times. Um, he actually is with the club right now. Trey Shupak was designated for assignment. A little bit of a surprise there. He actually led uh, the AA Southern League in ERA last year. Um, but his strikeout rate was not great. It seemed like he was due to regress a little bit. Did not impress really in his time in AAA last year. Um, but he did clear waivers, and so the Brewers still have him there in their organization. So he's a guy maybe to look at as some, uh, some pitching depth. And then they officially completed uh, the trade with the Phillies for David Phelps. So the three players to be named later were announced. Brandon Ramey, Israel Pueyo, and Juan Geraldo were the three. Uh, they're all young guys. Ramey was, I think, a 30th round pick. A couple years ago with the Phillies, he's performed well at the lower levels of the minor leagues, as have both Pueyo and Geraldo. All three of them are under 20 years old, so they're all guys uh, who... You know, we might see in a few years, uh, and I think I mentioned it when they made this trade, but the trade reminds me a lot of the Adam Lind trade. Uh, that got three three young arms uh, for the Brewers, and Freddie Peralta was one of them. Um, so kind of one of those things where you, you get three young arms like this, and you hope one of them can turn out. Uh, Brewers certainly have been able to develop, especially some of those relief arms as of late, but the pitching as a whole a little bit better. Think of guys like Woodruff and Burns, uh, or even Freddie Peralta, Brent Suter, uh, and that's been a little bit better than it had been in the previous years when we were looking at um, some of their best developed guys as really Giovanni Gallardo, I'd say, was really the main one. Sure, exactly. Yeah, Brewers not known for their pitching development, but it seems to be moving in the right direction with some of those guys that you mentioned. Um, so, yeah, good news for the Brewers overall. Uh, anything else before you that you want to add before we uh, get to the trivia answer? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just really excited for um, this upcoming week, but no, I don't have anything else uh, specifically to add other than you might have stumped me on, on the trivia question. So why don't you just remind <laughs> us what the question is? Yeah, absolutely. For those of you that forgot, trivia question today, who is the Brewers' uh, current wins above replacement leader on the offensive side of things? And uh, pulling this number from fan graphs today, I know we've been using baseball reference, but switching it up a little bit. So current uh, leader for 2020 on the offensive sides. Uh, so, David, now's the time. Who you got? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Christian Yelich. That would be incorrect. Yelich okay. is at number three um, behind Avisail Garcia and Jed Jerko. Well, I'm surprised so, about Garcia. I actually, I was actually looking at the Brewers, um, the Brewers fan grass leaders earlier, but I didn't pay attention to who was at the top. I was actually looking at it because I was um, checking out Daniel Vogelbach. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, he's been doing really well. I knew that he wouldn't be the guy who would be sure. um, in the lead for, for Winsbow replacement. But Garcia's metrics have graded out really well in center field. So I think that's really why he's he's yeah. at the top of that leaderboard. But if you think about it, 44 games that Garcia has played, if you take that over a full season, that's about that's about th three and a half, three to three and a half. So the Brewers' top position players only on pace for about a three, maybe three and a half win season. Not very good, especially compared to years past. And I think that we right. would see that even out a little bit. Yelich, I think everyone expects that if yeah. this were a full season, Yelich would break out. Yelich would eventually end up having a, a very good year again. Um, but I, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised about Garcia, and I think this is the first time. You know, I got Dave Bristol. I right. I, I think got, you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I got way. with the one last week um, about the. Yeah. The war leader, Sixto Lascano, but yet, yeah. obviously, El Garcia, I wasn't able to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think Garcia, though, has proven, well, of course, we didn't expect what happened with Lorenzo Cain to happen. Uh, with that happening, Garcia almost proved his worth uh, just for, after Cain, you know, decided to sit out on the year. But I think he has proved his worth, uh, regardless of you count Cain being there or not being there. I, personally, I, I think it was a good good value add for the Brewers in the offseason. Um, and, yeah, able to plug that hole in center field and uh, play play some solid defense as well. And like I mentioned, Garcia in the number one spot with just win, one win above replacement, Jed Jerko at uh, 0 0.9 and Yelich number 3.7. Uh, so, yeah, Christian Yelich still hitting just 211. Um, of course, a 343 on base and 451 slugging, but um, who would have thought Christian Yelich uh, batting average near the Mendoza line uh, this late in the season really has been a surprise for the Brewers, uh, but seems to be seems to be heating up a little bit as well offensively. And on the pitching side, real quickly, uh, Corbin Burns you mentioned uh, top win wins above replacement uh, among pitchers was it in the National League or in all of baseball? In the National League. In the National League. So Burns hitting at two point six, Brandon Woodruff one point six. Devin Williams, 1.2. Freddie Peralta, 0.9. And Brenton Suter, 0 0.7. Uh, solid arms. Uh, Josh Hader actually uh, down a little bit on the list. Uh, down at a 0 0.1 wins above replacement, which is kind of interesting because he he's had the, a few not-so-good outings. Um, definitely feels as though he has been more valuable than 0 0.1 and has been more valuable than Drew Rasmussen has been on the year, even though Rasmussen with the, <laughs> with the higher wins above replacement. So uh, anyways, wins above replacement, not the uh, end-all, be-all stat. Uh, mm -hmm. But 
Also, yeah. we should notice note that uh, minimum 20 plate appearances, Daniel Vogelbach is your National League leader in both batting average <laughs> and on-base percentage. Um, he's been very good, of course, small sample size. Uh, so I'm not saying that Daniel Vogelbach is now the best hitter in the NL, um, but I, he, it does show that he has been playing very well. Yeah, Vogelbach had two home runs in the final game of the series against the Royals, providing pretty much all of the offense. A two-run shot in the bottom of the first, and then in the bottom of the sixth, a three-run shot scoring Yelich and Braun, uh, and that, that was all the Brewers needed. So Vogelbach, five RBIs uh, Sunday night, or excuse me, Sunday uh, in the series finale, providing the offense for the Brewers in that one. So, yeah, um, really nothing more to say, but uh, final week of the, of the regular season, it's in the Brewers' hands. Brewer fans uh, cheering for the Brewers and hoping they can continue to play well like they did this week and take care of things versus the Reds and the Cardinals. Anything else to add for you, David? All set? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Well, as always, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.